0: Hey there friends, before we get to a brand new episode of the official Do Good Better podcast, we want to thank you, the listener, for subscribing and sharing with all of your nonprofit friends. Most importantly, we need to be thanking the sponsors to this very show. Hey, if you're in the market for a CRM system that makes your life easier, there is no better item in your fundraising toolbox than DonorDoc. DonorDoc is not only the premier sponsor to the show, it is the premier and intuitive CRM system that not only has everything you want, but has zero things you don't. No one needs complicated, especially when you wear 10,000 different hats at your nonprofit. So get DonorDoc and use Do Good Better at checkout and get a month free to try it out. Thanks, DonorDoc, for being an awesome sponsor. Hey, speaking of life being easier, fundraising is not... And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for more content, more done-for-you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to either commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with, join Do Good University. Hey, it's our brand-new membership site. We have Hours and hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the entire Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All of that is for an affordable monthly fee, so visit DoGoodUniversity.com or click the link in the show notes for details. Hey, get ready for another episode of the official Do Good Better podcast. Welcome
1: to the official Do Good Better podcast, where we help small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. Join host Patrick Kirby as he chats about the latest nonprofit trends, challenges, and success stories. Plus, you'll get actionable advice to help you be even awesomer. If you're a nonprofit professional, volunteer, or supporter, the show is for you. We'll tackle all the big topics like fundraising, marketing, and volunteer management. Our only goal? To bring you the information and inspiration you need to take your organization to the next level. So grab that giant caffeinated or adult beverage and get ready to do good better.
0: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the official Do Good Better podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Kirby, And of course, we talk with people who are going to help our small and medium-sized nonprofits do good better. But what if you have this brilliant idea and you really want to start a nonprofit and you don't know where to start to start your nonprofit. We're going to talk about that today. It's one of the questions that I think a lot of people ask themselves, like, hey, I could do this or, hey, I'd like to do this or, hey, I work at a nonprofit, but I've got an idea for something else. Well, to start one is very complicated or is it? And then maybe the question you should ask yourself, which we'll probably start off, which is, should you? Because I want to start there. But I'm only going to do this with, listen, sometimes you meet people. In the world that uh, you instantly become super besties with, and that's who my guest is today, Jess Birkin. She's the owner of Birkin Law, and she's my guest here on the official Do Good Better podcast. Jess, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. We were instant besties. I heart you.
0: I, I know. I like, I like. Again, I love very few people in this world, but I, I'm kind of trending love towards you in a very <laughs> bizarre, semi-professional sort of way. <laughs>
1: As, <laughs> as extroverts, extroverts I both- feel like we shouldn't admit that.
0: <laughs> no, no. As your as my lawyer, please tell me that I shouldn't say that out loud on a podcast.
1: Yeah, right. Please edit
0: that out. Um, so we're gonna talk about a whole bunch of fun things, specifically sort of creating a nonprofit. And I and again, your brilliance is gonna be very helpful as we sort of navigate the should you, could you, would you, and then how. Today, but before we get into that, I want people to know who you are because they might not know. So, uh, could you give us a five thousand foot view? Who you are, what you do, and why we're talking today?
1: Yeah. So, as you said, I'm Jess, and basically, what I do is is help nonprofits. I think our mission statement is we empower nonprofits to achieve their mission by doing things right. So, I connect people with the right tools, and the right coaching, and the right resources. Um, And I work with a ton of startups, so that is a a big part of my my jam. Mm -hmm. And I I sit in Minneapolis, Minnesota, but I help people start nonprofits all over the place because it's mostly federal practice, and my lawyer says I can do that. So...
0: I like that you are a lawyer that has a lawyer, which is even better. Oh, yeah.
1: Every lawyer has a lawyer. We all have a lawyer because we have all these ethics rules. And, you know, it's very serious. Like clients, you know, you have to take that seriously, even if you're wearing a rock band T-shirt.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I think we're here today to talk about, you know, starting a nonprofit and all the ins and outs of that, which is what I eat, sleep and breathe most of the days of the week.
0: I think it keeps up a lot of people at night who have this big dream, big vision. Of changing the world, and doing it through nonprofit work. Um, so I think I think we start with a like a like a philosophical question today. I rarely start with one of those, but you seem to be in the mood. Let's speak. Let's speak highly. Let's do you know, it. Um, what are some of the reasons that people want to start nonprofits? When you're interviewing people and they call you and they say, "I've got this big vision." What's behind a lot of that psychology on? making sure that they're specifically asking to start a non-profit
1: yeah there there are like a whole bunch of sort of archetypes of of people that i've seen over the the years of working with folks like there are i mean there are the people that i don't want to work with right they're just like looking for some sort of like scam or they just want to write off or they want to like make their kids hobby deductible so like That's not, we're not talking about those people. Hard pass. Um, Those people don't work with me. (laughs) But then you have like people, there's a certain type of person where something big happened in their life. And maybe it was the death of a loved one. Maybe it was something happened to a loved one. Maybe it was something happened to them. And they just have this inner fire to fix it for other people, help other people get through it, change the space around this thing there's some activating event for them that they're just, they feel called to do this, right? And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's not a good reason to start a nonprofit. Um, Then there are people who have like been living in a world mission area, whatever, and they're seeing somewhere that it's broken. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you know, this whole chemical dependency rehab process, it's very shame-based and I don't like it and i've done all this work because of my kid and i want to bring this new curriculum we've created to the world because i think it's a it's a better way to deliver on this um mission area Mm -hmm. so there's kind of like a it's broken, we're going to fix it type of person
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and then there's also like the person who sees there's like a gap um there's something that needs to be done that maybe it could be a business even, but like, ain't nobody gonna pay for that. Um, so sometimes there's just like this hole that needs to be plugged, needs something that needs to be fixed, that there's not really a viable way to do it through a for profit. And so they want to give it a go because it's, it is worth doing, but -hmm. it's just not something that has a revenue model that anybody would pay for or invest in.
0: I think we see a lot of those. Also, people like specifically the program people, right? So they get involved in a program and they see some of the cracks or the flaws in that particular one, and they're also then seeing a gap that's not served and saying, "Okay, if I can put these two and two together, that sounds uh, pretty great." Um, I have a visceral reaction when people approach me to say, "I have an idea for a nonprofit," or they ask me a question of, um, "I'd like to start a nonprofit," and my immediate reaction to every time somebody tells me that is, Oh God, please don't. Am I wrong in assuming that that should be the first line that I give? somebody? I, again, I want to be empowering. I want to be positive, but right? my initial reaction is, Oh, don't please. No, I'm
1: laughing because that's like literally my response to anyone who says they're thinking about going to law school. I just want to grab them and be like, don't, don't yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, don't do it for all the reasons. <laughs> Yeah, I think that when you've worked in this space for so long like we have, you know the futility and you know, I like to say new nonprofits are like new restaurants, 9 out of 10 are going to fail in the first year. Yeah. So it's like is this really a good use of your effort and your mm-hmm. money? I think yeah, I mean I, I don't necessarily come into every conversation with somebody say, thinking don't do it, but I have a healthy amount of skepticism. And I would say half of my job is talking people out of starting a nonprofit.
0: Because right. I, I want to harness their positivity. I want to harness their enthusiasm. So maybe if you're if you're a person listening to this and you're like, okay, I, but I want to start a nonprofit. I seriously do. Okay, maybe I should take a deep breath and maybe think I shouldn't maybe. Where can they take that? enthusiasm and put it because you're passionate about something you've got an idea where do you send them what do you suggest that they at least consider before this jumping off point to say nope damn it I'm going to go and get myself a nonprofit
1: well i mean it it really depends right like what they're excited about um not to be like a shameless plug, but I actually created, I I gave this speech so much that I actually created a little online course called Founders Roadmap for like deciding whether you should even start a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And it's like five little video modules and people can find that on my website. But the things that you need to think about are like, am I the only one excited about this? Will anybody give me money? Mm-hmm. So like, Sometimes I tell people that's a great business idea. Just go start an LLC. And if it turns out that somehow you have to have a nonprofit, we can start one later. You know, we can just you you can always start a nonprofit. You don't have to begin there though. So if something could be like a business that it's a do-gooder business, that's great. That's awesome. Millennials and Gen Z, they love those things. We all love to eat the ethical avocado toast or whatever. So go do the good deeds business and then if somehow it turns out that people are like I want to give you $50,000 but you're not a nonprofit and so I won't, then come talk to me.
0: Yeah. Well, and I I think, again, there are probably other organizations that share a whimsical ideal that you do as well. And maybe it's a different set of solutions or programming ideas that instead of starting something completely new, you could actually go to them and say, hey, listen, I've got a couple of ideas. How can we work together? Or how can I work with you in order to present this or create this or execute this? Under your umbrella of general awesomeness. And I think yes. that's a great first start. But again, if you exhaust all of those things and you look at it and say, nope, it's a gap the government is clearly missed. It's a gap organizations that, uh, that, that aren't doing this particular thing. It is a niche that is desperate to be filled or a chasm that needs to be filled. How do we, what's our first step? What is the first thing that we conceptualize? Because because I, I think I love what you just said. Is it fundable or is it interesting to fund? Um, I also like the the question to ask yourself: Does who else cares about this? Or why the hell should I care about this? Is usually a good line that I that I bring uh, to a board chair or somebody else who's got this idea. Like I don't I don't care about it. Prove to me why I should. But what's that first step that you're suggesting? before before paperwork and we're not talking, talking about paperwork just yeah, what's the thank first you because i was be like doing?
1: well yeah. the first step is not incorporating yes because anything you read online it's like the first step is to incorporate and please no. use our document filing company to do that it's like no. no that's like saying um what's the first step to getting married is picking out the chapel where you're gonna do right. it no 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 it's not it's meeting someone. (laughs) It's knowing that their values are aligned with yours and that you (laughs) love them and want to spend the rest of your life together. Mm. Uh, It's not actually picking out the venue for your reception. So the first step is getting it on paper. What the hell is your vision? Mm -hmm. What is your mission? How are you going to make a difference in the world? And this is something I, I talk about in the Founders Roadmap course. It's like, what are you going to do all day? I talk to a lot of people who are like, they're so excited about the idea, they haven't spent even one second on like, well, how will that work? And I end up sitting there coaching them through like, well, what are we gonna do? Tell me how this program will work. What do you envision this will look like? And they haven't even really thought about it, Mm -hmm. you know? so that to me is really the first step of just getting it down on paper writing down how you envision this will work not just not the magical outcomes where everybody is happy and things are working but the nitty-gritty how are you going to deliver this program Mm -hmm. and then i would say how much is that going to cost which is never what anybody wants to talk about that is the most boring most intimidating terrifying Who is a math person that likes to do Excel sheets? Not me. That's why I'm a lawyer. Uh, Mm -hmm. Words. Thank you every time. (laughs) But really figuring it out, like how much will this cost in a real way, not like a fantasy way where you like pretend there's no expenses, like you don't have to buy insurance or whatever, right? Like really do the numbers because now you also have a fundraising goal.
0: Right. Well, and if you can't talk about the cost of things, you can't fundraise because you got to talk about numbers when you fundraise, and and somebody's going to ask you that exact question: is like, what does this program cost? How much do you need? And if you can't say that out loud, and you're like, well, I guess it would be instant turnoff from potential donors, instant uh, turnoff from potential founders or investors into your nonprofit because you're going to need startup money, you're going to need a startup investment, and it's, whether it's yours personally or whether it's a uh, a group of individuals that you get, you have to talk about money. So yes. You have to get, uh, you have to get, you have to explain that. What I love most about too, writing all this kind of stuff down is once you get it all on paper, my secondary suggestion to yours would be, how do you explain it to a three-year-old? Yes. Get, get whatever you got on paper. Now, can you explain it to, to a kid who's not paying attention to you and do they understand it? Because okay. I have seen so many mission statements that sound so nebulous and, and very like all over the place. I couldn't tell you whether it's a individuals of developmental disabilities or delay or Uh, shoes for the poor i couldn't tell you what they are
1: especially if you're already a program person you are using inside baseball like jargon and word salad that only means something to you because you work in the space that's Mm -hmm. a huge mistake i see for people who are starting something they can't explain it and they forget that they already know why it matters right that's another thing is like Why? Why does this matter? Why do we care? Oh, maybe the um, Department of State has said preventing domestic violence is a huge critical thing to our country. Great. You should be able to talk about that. (laughs) Like, you know, the US government has a priority for mental health. Okay. Like, not everybody knows that, right? So it's like kind of another thing of just getting it down on paper because that's all stuff you're going to have to do in the IRS application.
0: Right. Right. And that that's all the stuff that you're going to have to explain to potential board members who would be interested in that as well, because yep. if they don't understand it, they're not going to want to join your leadership squad in the first place. I want to kind of go back to a mission statement versus a vision statement, because yeah. I think they are dramatically different. Totally and we different. About them in totally Could you give your definition of what those are working wise? Because what's a, what's a mission statement? What's your vision statement?
1: So to me, a vision statement is like the state of the world in the future that you're working towards. So we envision a, a, a world without people experiencing homelessness. Great. Um, a mission statement is how what we are doing towards that end state, right? So we help families who are experiencing homelessness by connecting them with resources and shelter to live a more um, stable, to have more stable housing in their future. Mm-hmm. That's like the concrete, what we do today and the vision is someday we we see a reality where this outcome exists, big picture. Right.
0: Yeah, it's the, the bookends in which you need to keep the organization and reference points, right? Hey, this program seems really cool. Does it apply to our mission statement, yes or no? If the answer is no, don't do it or put it in yeah. a folder somewhere elsewhere right that's what the board is for and we'll talk about that in a second but that's really what that's for i've always loved the um and i've I've stolen this from a friend of mine amanda acton shout out amanda uh who said this at a conference once and i've st- she stole it from somebody so i'm gonna steal it from her so i feel like this is already yeah
1: we all are reinventing we we all are. nobody's reinventing the wheel we're all borrowing
0: absolutely so the vision statement is what you want to be when you grow up as an organization yeah, And and when you're pursuing that, right, the pursuing that futuristic piece, um, when you get your funding and everything and your feet under you, this is where you're going to go. And I, I just I, when you are founding a member of a nonprofit, you want to make sure that you have those as a differential, because that's super important, because your vision statement is how you're going to sell this to the general public of excitement on how, why you should invest in it. And your mission is for your board to remind you what the hell you started this in the first place.
1: And I have can't even tell you how many times I have seen the initial group of founders split apart almost immediately because it turns out they weren't on the same page about their mission and their vision. So the sooner you can articulate that, the sooner you can find people who share your mission and vision because the worst kind of thing that'll slow you down is having a bunch of drama and fallout with your inside circle in the first six months.
0: Yeah. Because of, because of that lack of communication, because of that lack of understanding, which is why, and again, I love that you said, don't do paperwork first. It's get your pen to paper to sort of draw that particular thing That's out. Right. Okay. So you've got a great vision statement. You've got a great mission statement. You found a crack in the system in which you have a niche that people are generally be interested in. Should you go talk to other people about this prior to you applying for anything or using any paperwork? Should you do a test run of like, hey, I've got an idea. What Absolutely. Do you
1: Absolutely. Th- yes and i love that you framed it that way because often i will talk to somebody who they feel super protective like they're protecting like the top trade secrets and it's like oh it's a faith-based group that's going to do this cool ministry program and they're like well i don't want to tell other churches about it because then they might take it and i was and i'll be like and then what more more people would benefit from this cool thing like what like we're this is The nonprofit sector.
0: Yeah. Right. You're okay.
1: (laughs) I'm all for trademark and copyright and intellectual property, but like, so more people would be served and that would be a problem. How? I mean, all that would do is vet that the idea is necessary and we need it. And there's probably needs to be lots more of it going on. So I love that you framed it that way.
0: And just just to follow up with that too, everybody's lazy and has other things to do and they're not going to do that. Oh my like gosh, seriously. Gonna, no one's, you could tell everybody. And this is kind of how we've worked as a, as a as a consulting firm, to be honest with you. Like, I'm going to tell you everything that you need to know. I know you don't have the capacity to do any of that. So I can yep. tell you every trade secret I've ever learned in the 20 years I've done fundraising. But I know that you need someone to hold your hand because you don't know how to do the step-by-step process. And you need someone to encourage accountability. you. To it's accountability. I, this is why we're
1: besties this right here this is why we're besties because like i'm a big um well not really anymore but back in the day i was a big gary vaynerchuk fan Yes. Of course you are. And he's like, That's- you can get, give away 99% of all of your secret sauce because yep. execution is everything and nobody is executing. No. And I've really, I really, really believe that. Um, I teach other lawyers and I'm like, here's how I do it. Here's all the yep. tools I use. Go like, go pretend to be a new client and go through my process because A, I want them to be better, and B, none of them are doing it. (laughs) The nonprofit sector is the same. You can tell everybody everything. And Mm -hmm. if one person stands up and says, That is a great idea, we should do that in our community too.
0: You got a champion now. You have a champion now. And that, so that positive angle on that too. And that, and by the way, that if you're a fundraiser, if you're an executive director, if you are anything within the nonprofit leadership team, What you just heard that back and forth between Jess and I, that's an abundance mindset in action. Thank you. Right there. This gives you your limiting beliefs, the boot and put concentrates on there's enough for everybody. There's enough money, there's enough ideas, and there's enough need out there that you can give everything away. And everyone who wants to support you is gonna line up behind you because they buy into your vision and your enthusiasm. Cause anybody who picks up your idea and tries to run with it who's not as enthusiastic as you is gonna fail miserably at it. Because they don't have the 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 heart and their and their excitement behind it and the passion that you're gonna expound that's it's not gonna happen. So yeah. And if give it, it does away.
1: happen, you're gonna partner but, and you're gonna do amazing things and you'll be stronger together. Yeah because you're going to be like, "Oh my gosh, you are you are so excited about this and I am so excited about this and now we're friends and now we're partnering on things." You know, it's yes. that's just how it works.
0: Yep. No, I love it. And again, you're get rid almost of the scarcity. Get rid of it. And again, like we just said, like you're you're out in the field testing this idea. You're essentially doing a feasibility study for your own nonprofit. And if you've ever done a capital campaign, if you've thought about doing that, you're going to go out into the field and you're just say, hey, we got a project or a building or a concept that we want to do. What do you think about it? You're going to get feedback. They're going to tell you what they like. And then you can ask them, hey, would this be something that you would be interested in funding? Do your own feasibility study for your own nonprofit to set yourself up for success and spread the message as far and wide. Because when you get incorporated and when you have this nonprofit, you're going to start fundraising. Guess what you're going to do? tell everybody about what you do and get them excited about it, you're going to do the same damn thing. So you're practicing what you're actually going to be doing in real time. And if you don't like this part, you yeah, sure as hell aren't going to like doing nonprofit work. Don't do it then. It's, it's a so, great test run without yes. the responsibility of running an organization, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you right. know, we do this in our in our lives, right? It's like, oh, I think I want to be an accountant. Well, right. maybe I'm going to take a class on Udemy about accounting. And then I'm gonna see if I if I enjoy that. If I don't enjoy that, well then I'm, I probably won't become an accountant. Right. There's no just because you're excited about the idea doesn't mean that the reality is going to match up to what's in your mind. So the more you can beta test, the better.
0: Yeah. More conversations the better. All right. So you've beta tested it. You got a concept, you're passionate about it. You kind of tested the waters. You know what it is got a great mission statement. You've worked your vision statement. You've got people who say, I'm really interested in this. Okay. Now what?
1: Now you should probably talk to someone like me.
0: (laughs) Which, by the Uh, way, you can find all the contact information in the notes. Of course, they're going to be there. You call Jess.
1: Yeah. Um, Because running a, a nonprofit, unfortunately, is more like running a Fortune 500 corporation than a lemonade stand. And there are just so many rules. And I've seen so many people, I work with a lot of clients who tried to do things themselves or like the worst is where they had a lawyer help them, but Mm -hmm. the lawyer doesn't actually like do this all day. So they just did what they thought was right, but it was wrong. And then they ended up creating a a private operating foundation accidentally and they go to get their first grant and they're all excited. And the funders like, oh, we can't fund you, sorry. And then they show up and go. Ah. So you got to get some help, right? You got to get line mm-hmm. up an accountant because the accounting is crazy weird for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. You need to get a lawyer. You need to get an insurance person, and you need to talk to somebody like Patrick. Mm-hmm. You got to get your 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 cabinet.
0: Yeah. You <laughs> if you're do
1: president. You need a cabinet of smart yeah. people around you to help.
0: So I, a couple of things. I love that you said all of that because you know we and we talk about. For auctioneers, we talk about it for capital campaigns, we talk about it for um, CRM systems. Getting the pros who know what you're doing is going to save you time and money in the long run more than anything else. So you really have to build up a, an initial idea of, I want to call it a war chest or whatever, that's going to invest in the starting of this. It is like a business, this is not something that you're going to you do out of thin air. This is a serious, you're now entering the realm of serious work that is just like, if not more regulated than businesses everywhere. And I just, you need to know that when you're starting a nonprofit, because I think people have this idea, this wonderful unicorns and rainbows and puppy dogs and ice cream sort of idea that we're a nonprofit, nonprofit.
1: but you don't have to follow any laws Mm. or rules. You just want to make people feel good.
0: Yeah, it's so good. And the opposite is absolutely true. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of documentation. It's a lot of rules and regulations to follow. And it's not easy. But again, if you are in the mindset that you're going to change the world and you know you've got a program and things that are going to do it, you're not going to mind it. But just be prepared. You know, Let's go with Scar. Scar sang a song about it. Be prepared. It's a Lion King reference. I think that that's going to hit with a bunch of parents. I really do. I'm gonna let that sit there and marinate, not only for our. I'm producer. just
1: like I don't even know what you're talking about, Scar. Come on, be from the <laughs>
0: are we Lion talking
1: King? about the Lion King? I am. Like, isn't that a character? Straight
0: up, yeah, Scar from the Lion King. He sings a song. Be prepared. I know this oh, is going that's off a the deep rails. Cut.
1: That it's is a deep a cut.
0: Reference, <laughs> <cut. laughs> however, however, that's the type of off the. Ra- By the way, this is ironically, or maybe not ironically. The type of conversations that we can get off the rails is exactly the type of conversations that you and your board will have to get into that you have to keep focused, which is why you need a mission statement in the first place. So just there, there's an example of keeping between the lines or the lions. Going. This show okay. is okay. not well, anyway, about
1: the Lion King.
0: It is not, but it is now. <laughs> um, Okay. So we've got, so you've got your, 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 uh, your cabinet. I really love the way that you said that too. get your, get your lawyer get your insurance agent, get your tax person or your finance person, get a fundraising uh, individual. And now we're off to the races when it comes to actual paperwork and things. How long does this gathering of paperwork and doing paperwork and things take normally under normal circumstances government-wise?
1: Okay. So this is a great question. This This is what people ask me. They're like, okay, how long does this take? Right? So If, uh, let's just assume you're working with someone like me and you're not just bumbling around trying to figure it out, right? Um, I would say you should allow for at least six to eight months because you're going to do your incorporation with the state. You're going to, you know, get all of that paperwork done. You're going to get certified copies back. You're going to get a tax ID number from the federal government. Then you have to get bylaws together. And I I talk about these things in the Founders Roadmap course, like what these are. Your articles are like your Declaration of Independence. They say like who you are and why you exist. Mm -hmm. You have to have a a purpose statement that is broad enough to capture what you're gonna do today, tomorrow, and five years from now, but isn't like super vague and meets IRS standards. So that just takes a little bit of time. And then you need to get your bylaws together and your bylaws are like your rule book or your playbook. They're like the handbook that you use to govern your organization. So it's like, how do we add board members? How do we get rid of board members? Do we have members? How, what is, what are their rights? You know, how do we do all the things? Um, some 30,000 foot policies, right? And then you can apply for an income tax exemption from the IRS and there are different forms of doing that depending on what kind of charity you're starting but in the best case scenario that's going to take three months start to finish in the usual case scenario you're going to look at four to six months because a real human at the irs is going to be looking through your documents and making a decision and you, they really just require you to put in a lot of information including Budgets, Mm. which is why you need to have thought about the money.
0: Mm -hmm. I know. Isn't this nice? We've given a nice little roadmap on how Mm -hmm. you actually get from point A to point B. And again, adding that too is thinking about things. um, and, And this is why you bring in experts because we've experienced so many different things about nonprofit work or board relationships or chaos that ensues when a donor wants to give you money in a different way. And how do you accept that? Like a gift acceptance policy. If you don't have one yep. of those things out of the gate, you're going to get real confused real quick about how, Hey, I've got a piece of land. I've got something like this, or I've got some toys I want to give you. Like, what is it? What's your policy on accepting it? Yep. And you need to know those things because those questions will come up and you know, I know they'll come up because we've experienced it all the time you won't know they want, they're they going to come up. And when they do, it's going to take so much time away from you doing your programming and your impact because you got to yeah. deal with something you didn't deal with before. Oh, well,
1: hundred percent. Right? And right. like, I'm talking about the nuts and bolts of like literally starting and you're at the next phase, which is you need financial controls and, and right. policies and procedures. Yeah. You need all the things you need a participant waiver. You need a photo release you need. And that's, That's why I want people to work with me and why I like working with small nonprofits because I've got my subscription, they just log into the member portal and they take, you know, all those things and generate them and they're off to the races but you cannot run a nonprofit well without doing that because exactly what you said, your time and resources will just get sucked away by all of the little problems and drama. And I can't tell you how many times I've worked with a startup where there's like kids involved Mm. and then they realize like, oh, this thing happened and a kid got hurt today and like the parents were mad and like, oh, yeah,
0: that's (laughs) good.
1: Gonna right. happen. Right. Like you have to prepare for those things. Yeah. Um, absolutely super it's,
0: important. It's the time management piece to the nonprofit world. And I can't tell you how many nonprofits will call and just need a therapy session where yeah. they just go, I don't have enough time to do all this. I've got this, this, and this. And most of those problems are people problems that could be solved with a policy or preparedness or some preliminary communication piece that you've already done the work, it wouldn't be an issue, but it usually hadn't been some of the work. Yeah. And now they're drowning in an HR problem rather than a fundraising opportunity. And when yep. we talk about fundraising, which is just a major part of this down the road, when you're trying to continue to fund the thing that you started in the first place, but you've got to deal with all the things that you could have gotten out of the way here, you realize that, Doing it professionally and correctly the first time and out of the gate and having a reference point is so unbelievably important to de-stress you as a leader so that you can concentrate on the things that really matter, which is your programming, and your impact in the community, and then building donor relationships to continue the funding going forward. And that's the real bit. And if all
1: of that sounds horrible to you, then I think we're back to the beginning. mm
0: -hmm. Don't do this because
1: yeah. doing this is a lot of preventative maintenance and policy setting and pushing paperwork around and, and right. thinking ahead and not program delivery frontline services so right. if we're talking about all this and you're like Ugh, i hate yeah. that don't do it don't do it or get somebody who enjoys that part of it alongside of you yeah. so that you can do what you the things you're good at mm. because the worst Clients for me are the people who they just want to go do the program and they wish that I would wave a magic wand. And they think, like, hiring a lawyer means I don't have to worry about anything. It's like, no, no. I'm going to be here and help you, but like, you have to still do the things. So if you don't want to do those things, mm-hmm. go volunteer, go yeah. work at a nonprofit, go pitch your program idea to an organization where it's a fit.
0: Yep. And if you don't like telling stories and you don't like asking for money, you don't like preparing things to do events and sort of ways to engage your audience to build revenue. This isn't for you either. And you know what? Here's the other thing too. That's okay. Yes. Doesn't make you any less of a good person with a good heart, finding a flaw in our system that you could help make, uh, better.
1: It yep. doesn't make you a terrible exactly. person that
0: makes you not want to start a non-profit. It makes you a great person because you're seeing the issue. And now you get to figure out creatively that, hey, maybe this whole like starting a non-profit from scratch is just a bad idea because I don't have the time, energy, or effort to do it. But- I could, like you just said, volunteer. I could go work for one part-time. I could you know, come to them and say, I'd love to be on your board of directors to help build up this program, or I'd love to volunteer with my friends to offer this program that you could have under your umbrella that we just need a little bit of support. That's such an easier lift for a nonprofit that's already been established. That seems really relatable to you and aligned perfectly with your values and your vision. And now you get to help create uh, a community that's better with your own ideas under the banner of somebody else who's already doing a lot of the similar work.
1: Yeah. It doesn't change you or your excitement level. Mm -mm. It changes your strategy for how you're going to deliver on it. Yeah. Sometimes people just need permission to not start a nonprofit. And me telling them like, you are clearly so excited about this and mm. i'm concerned that doing all of these things is going to just kill it for you mm. that's just all they need is to be like oh i could do it this other way great
0: mm. or or it's gonna it's gonna kill your enthusiasm because it's yeah. gonna work
1: Yes, like right. it won't so, be fun anymore. No. And you want to be can maintain this high level of enthusiasm and excitement and drive to achieve the mission.
0: It's a <laughs> lot of work and again. And again, but I but I love this as a perspective because I think there's so many people who want to do this. And yes. they they, they want to be that founder and they want to put their passion in this. So, you know, they might be uh at the end of their you know, professional career, and they've seen a gap that they're going to do, and this is the this is their twilight years of dedication to the community. Good for you, and, and you know what? Jess is going to help you out. I'm going to help you out. That random guy that you've been avoiding making the phone call with for the tax purposes or the uh, he's in- going to present- help you. He's going to help you too. Um, and your family's going to help, and your friends are going to help because they're aligned with you value wise, and it's going to work out. Um, but it is a whole lot of work. Speaking of founders, and by the way. For those of you who are Do Good You members, uh, if you want, please stick around After the Podcast. There's going to be a link directly to Do Good University where Jess is going to talk about her favorite thing in the entire world, which is kind of these five um, ideas or five um, things every founder should know. We're going to give that exclusive training you want to get in done do good you you know how to get a hold of us click on the link below. Jess, um there are probably a lot of people who are listening to this that are going to want to ask you for other additional pieces of information or wondering how they can work with you. how and how in the world do they do that? Where do they go? How do they find you? How do they call you and ask you all the questions?
1: get get yourself on the interwebs and go over to Birkinlaw. and click on that contact button.
0: Easy. See, that's easy. Look, like, normally people have like, here's 28 ways they can get a hold of me. Not you. No. One
1: Simplicity. call to action, baby.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, as always, we're gonna have those links in the show notes. So make sure that at the end of the podcast, you go click on that, get a hold of uh just and go follow her. She's got a wonderful podcast that we got to be a guest on. Um, it's really good information, it's really uh, uh there's some of them's a little bit nerdy. So if you're like me and you just <laughs> love all this kind of stuff, I I love it. Um, but it's so good, it's actionable. Uh, really good perspectives from a bunch of different people. So go click on there. By the way, if you haven't subscribed to this show for shame, you can do it right now. That's fine. Go to YouTube and then go to Spotify or, or iTunes or wherever you're going to find this. Go subscribe here uh, and then immediately go back and then go follow everything that Jess is doing. Uh, Jess, first of all, thank you for being uh, alive on this planet the same time I am. And then yes. thanks for this. Like, I'm serious. Uh, it is a rarity where you just find somebody that is just instantaneously... Uh, chemically, uh, We're
1: kindred chemically.
0: spirits We are it's ridiculous, and it was so quick and so awesome. And again, aligned well with kind of how we believe the nonprofit realm should be served and the type of individuals that we serve. I love that. Uh, thank you so much for what you do for the nonprofit community. This is sort of an invaluable resource that I think a lot of people should take advantage of. So please go click on that if you're still listening to that. Go click on uh, Birkin Law, but thank you most of all for being a guest here on the official Do Good, Better podcast.
1: Thanks for having me. Mm
0: -hmm. Fundraising is hard. And as a listener to this podcast, I hope you found some insight and tips and tricks on how to make it a little less challenging. But if you're looking for a lot more content, done for you templates, weekly support, and a community of other do-gooders like yourself to commiserate, challenge, co-create, or celebrate with... I want to invite you to join Do Good University. It's our brand new membership site. We're going to have hours of on-demand trainings, exclusive guest expert webinars, and access to the Do Good Better crew to answer all of your pressing questions. All for an affordable monthly fee. So visit DoGoodUniversity.com or click the link in the show notes